0: What is up y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. My guest today is professional runner, extraordinaire Jacob Thompson. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. So um, I mentioned to you kind of right before we started recording, like I took a kind of a short break from from doing the podcast for about two and a half, three months or so. And uh, you're my first guest back and I'm really excited um yeah man I can't wait so if you will give us uh like a little bit of a uh Cliff's Notes or Sparks Notes version of of you yeah all right
1: so uh yeah Jacob Thompson uh, born and raised in, in Louisville Kentucky uh I've kind of been a little bit all over the place ever since I graduated high school so I went to NC State and Raleigh for, for two years, and I transferred back. Went to University of Kentucky for three. I moved up to Boston for about three years uh, and ran with Adidas and the Boston Athletic Association. And then uh, I moved out to Flagstaff, Arizona last last year, and uh, still train and compete professionally out there. And yeah, it's been it's been a pretty fun last I don't know, ten years or so of you know competing at a pretty pretty high level, and uh, yeah, look forward to keep doing it, hopefully for another ten.
0: Sweet. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, like uh you looking like for a long career, you're just gonna dip your toes in and then switch to something else, but that's awesome. Like longer the better, right?
1: Yeah, I think the I think the longer the better. I mean, it's something that uh I started running when I was in fourth grade, I guess. It's when I started running cross country and, and track, uh I was a big baseball player growing up though. I played AAU travel baseball and played baseball even my freshman year of high school until I started to get a little bit more serious about about running, but uh yeah, I've been doing it at a fairly high level for for a long time, and I really enjoy it. and I, I'm kind of building, you know, my brand and my businesses around uh, around running as well. So, yeah, if I'm lucky, I'll I'll never have a, a desk job uh, and kind of transition from one one running thing
0: to the next whenever the time comes. That's awesome. Yeah, this is uh, this is as close as I get to a desk job here. Like, uh, I I don't wanna I don't wanna be stuck in a cubicle, man. So I totally get that. So. Um, you said you've, you've competed at a really high level for, for quite a while now. Um, and I had to, I had to do some digging just to kind of remind myself of, you know, what you've been up to. So, um, fifth at Foot Locker Nationals in 2012, right? Yeah. Uh, went to
1: Foot Locker twice in high school. I was, I was fifth, uh, as a senior. Uh, and it's really cool. Cause I mean, a lot of guys, People get you know, like the top 10 from that race. A lot of guys, you know, it's Chesarek, McGordy, mm-hmm. uh, myself. There's a lot, like a lot of guys who are still, it's I still of... all the time or train with. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Like we basically have been chasing each other around doing that for, yeah, since 2012, 2011.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah. So right around that time, I was, uh, I was finishing up my graduate uh, school internship and I was working, um, with a professional running club in Indianapolis at the time called the Indiana invaders. And my, um, my grad school project for my internship was to help rehab and get, get this guy back to, um, back to racing, back to training and racing. And he was uh, maybe you might know him. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Nate Browning. He was a 400 runner at UK. I don't, no Nate no he might have been like right before you kind of switched over there so but yeah I thought maybe there would be a little overlap but yeah he uh he had a ruptured Achilles tendon um and I think he was like a 45 40 second 46 second 400 runner and wanted to keep training uh after after college and yeah
1: I I mean that if, yeah if you want to be a good middle distance or or sprinter the being in the SEC is definitely the the way to go cuz it's, a, for it's sure. such a high level of, of competition yeah. i mean even if you look at you know olympic teams and us championships i mean a lot of it's just it's just littered with sec middle distance and sprinters uh, they're they're pretty unreal to watch
0: that's so true man so um we've got a little glimpse of kind of your athletic background but tell us a little bit about um about your life kind of outside of outside of sports
1: uh outside of sports so i i guess we can talk about uh i'm actually sitting in in thompson training headquarters over here so this is thomas is over there so as far nice. as a desk job, about as close as it gets we sit there and write right train plans uh you know for for our athletes but that's that's hopefully as close as i ever get to do a, a desk job uh yeah we i started this, this coaching business covid uh kid actually from my home i was living in boston at the time and a kid from my hometown reached out and everything was canceled his track season was canceled he couldn't they couldn't practice or anything and he's like hey i want to get better like can you give me some workouts and you know i just gave him some workouts and you know talked to him every once in a while and then we just kind of kept that communication going and you know eventually turned into hey we will you coach me and uh Mm -hmm. he got a lot better he was he was a sophomore at the time and he actually just committed he's going to nc state where where i went uh so it's it kind of cool to see that come full circle but yeah it started with that and then uh it's really just kind of snowballed into you know we're now we're working with about 60 to 70 athletes uh on a monthly basis we we started a high school running camp uh which the first one was this past summer which has been was a lot of fun uh bluegrass mm-hmm. running here in kentucky and then uh started a youth team and we had 94 runners out on our it's like third to eighth grade uh youth running team and we got to travel all around uh with them and that's has been a lot of fun uh so those all the, all those projects like really keep me keep me busy put on a meet uh this year was the first time i ever you know put a meet director hat on so doing a little bit of everything uh but it's all so like intertwined that that it,
0: it makes it easy and you know i really enjoy doing it that's awesome so Uh, I think I actually came across you via Thompson training, uh, on Instagram. So, um, how, I guess talk to me a little bit about, about y'all's coaching philosophy. What, what kind of, how do you organize their training? Um, how, how do you work around, you know, like if you are training in Flagstaff, like, how are you working with uh, with these kids who you know could be all over?
1: Yes, yeah, so we we do coach. I guess there's a couple of different ways to to answer that. Could we we do work with everybody? I mean, we have third graders that we work with. We have seventy year olds who we work with, and everywhere in between. Um, I'd say our most popular client right now is probably the high school athletes. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of high school athletes, and then we're starting to get more and more like road runners and like age group marathoners, uh, you know, people going for a BQ and, and things like that. Uh, but I think it has great upside business-wise to, you can, that's just, you know, limitless, like uh high there for us, you know, for us to kind of take it on. So we're really kind of continuing to build that part of the business. So, you know, if somebody comes to us and wants a marathon plan, like we put, we basically put together a mar- marathon plan, Adults are obviously a little bit easier as far as like communication. Uh, whereas like the high schoolers were a lot more hands-on and talking to them almost, you know, daily via, you know, text or email or phone call or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Thomas, so most of our clients are here in Kentucky where we are kind of, we're in 20 or 21 States now, uh, nice. but probably over half of our clients are here in Kentucky. So like uh, Thomas Cave, who's like uh, co-owner of, of Thompson training with me, he does like some in-person sessions and, uh, we try to have a community feel here as much as we can which is great mm-hmm. uh, but then as far as like putting together I guess a dive into like training philosophy which I think is where you're headed so like <laughs> things that we really do so I mean obviously to start we kind of do like an intake what have you been doing what works for you I mean, you every, know everybody's a little bit different uh and I think we, when we, we put together a training plan I like to work in like we call them but we, we work in like 20 20 day blocks so basically three week cycles uh mm-hmm. and one thing i think a lot of people i wouldn't say necessarily do wrong but if a lot of a lot of high school coaches look at like what can i do in the next eight weeks during this season you know it's september 1st what can i do now and october 31st state meet like and they only look at that eight week block whereas us like we're we're really looking like down the road and so like i see training as like a spiral almost where a should like layer and build on each other over time mm-hmm. um so like like sophomore year for example if we get a if we do have a sophomore comes to us like i'm not really worried how fast they run as a sophomore i'm much more interested in like giving them the tools and building their like foundation so that they can do the things they need to do as a junior that's going to set them up to go on and run in college um mm-hmm. and the same thing like you know if we get a senior comes to us at christmas break of their senior year and they're like hey you know this spring is it for me like what can you do to make me really because uh, I, you know, I want to try to run in college, and we had that situation happen last year. Um, it was like a sixteen, mid-sixteen runner who was, who was top, he was seventeenth Kentucky State meet, and he was like, hey, I really want to run in college, but you know, um, like right now, it's probably not going to happen. And you know, we were fairly aggressive and uh, accelerated his, his training program a little bit, and he ended up running nine oh three and winning the state meet, and now he's at the University of Kentucky running as a, as a freshman. So we can come at it from a lot of different angles. Obviously, I think the more time, the better uh, mm-hmm. to work with an athlete. But, yeah, we get we, get, we don't really control that. We don't we go out and reach out to athletes. So it's basically whoever comes to us and kind of what their, their timeline is and what their goals are. And as far as, like, building the actual training, like I said, we work in these, like, 20-day blocks. So, like, I want to have certain things in each 20-day block. And it's not that every 20 days repeats itself, but, like, everything kind of – so, like, if I know – you know, if I'm, if I'm building a training plan for a cross-country season and then we're in June, well, I kind of know the workouts I want you to do in October before the state meet. So then I can kind of unwind that spiral, right, and work, work backwards. Mm-hmm. To, you know, if I want to be doing 16 quarters on 45 seconds at your two-mile uh, two base or 3K base, like VO2 max base, on you know October 10 weeks before the state meet well what do I need to do 20 days that? and what do I need to do 20 days before that and you know I can work it all the way back to June or you know wherever that is uh
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's just kind of having like a, a longer term approach and like a little bit more foresight where I'm not worried about you know the invitational this weekend I'm more worried about like hey what are we going to be doing in six months or eight months down the road from this or like I said if I get a freshman or soft a really good freshman right now um he ran between fifteen twenty-six and fifteen four times five times this wow. cross country season it's like very consistent yeah uh, in that in that range and I told him i was like yeah this like this track season like we want to run fast but like i'm not super worried about what he runs as you know freshman track season i'm, I'm more worried about you know can this guy make uh a footlocker nat- or east bay nationals mm-hmm. next you know next fall and what steps kind of do we need to take over the, the 12 month the next 12 months to, to make that happen. And, you know, more so wanting to be, re- be able to do that for two or three years in a row, hopefully. Sure. Uh, so everybody's a little bit, a little bit different, I guess, but the principles still kind of stay the same as far as like, yeah, we work in these like 20 day cycles. I want to have certain things in each cycle. So like we, we try to have uh, one like longer, I guess if you're looking at like what makes up a 20 day cycle, like there's one longer uh, tempo or threshold workout I'm really big on doing like a lot of uh like threshold reps or like kind of somewhere between like 10k and threshold pace so we do like a lot of k's uh 800s miles for the more more advanced uh people i think that's something we do a lot of and we it's really easy to kind of build workouts off of that So like you know we may do something like six by 800 or five by k and then we'll do you know four by 150 uh you know on either end of that uh, there's, there's some type of hill work in every 20 day block. Uh, and there's also, we kind of work on the spectrums a lot. So like I work or I, on either side of the scale. So like I do a lot of strength threshold stuff and I do a lot of short sprint speed stuff. And then like we hit the hard race pace workouts kind of in when we need to. Uh, but that's not something we, we pound all the time. Um, I kind of, I think there's like a lot of, Common myths or like misconceptions that a lot of high school coaches have about about training in general, but they kind of like we talked about like you know they like to do these like we want to train really hard for like eight or ten weeks, but then like we're so burnt out and tired we need to take a big break and then we need to like start all over again. Whereas I I view this as like a this is a spiral never really stops, uh, and I think if you train appropriately, <clears throat> so if we're doing if you're doing a lot of like threshold strength work and you do a decent amount of your, your sprinting not in really high quantities but like we, we kind of tap on it like a little bit all the time you never really get mm-hmm. you never really get burnt out you can, you can do threshold work and you can do short sprints you do both of those once a week all year round and you're never going to get burnt out what gets you burnt out is like the amount of the intensity or if the intent like I feel like a lot of times high school coaches do stuff that's either it's, it's either too hard or it's too easy Whereas Mm -hmm. like we kind of do stuff that's challenging, but it it never, it never really stops. Uh, I mean, we, we kind of take like an active, we call I call it active recovery after an end of a season where we'll take, you know, if you need seven days, you need 15 days, whatever it is. But like, I I try to get them to run at least every, you know, maybe like it's one week of every third day and then one week of every other day where you're at least doing like a 30 minute run in strides
2: Mm and then
1: it actually cuts down our injury rate to a ton uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of people, you know, they do a ton of like VO2 max stuff all season. And then they're tired and burnt out and kind of hurt. And then they take like two or three weeks of doing nothing. And then they want to like hop back into it. And they're like, Oh man, I'm already hurt. And it's like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you don't really have the right foundation to jump in and start doing that kind of work again. Whereas if you would just like keep your body moving a little bit and then do the, you can train more, like you can train a little bit harder and like, you're going to get way better progression just because you're not taking these like constant breaks and stuff all the time. Um,
0: yeah. If you're not stopping and starting, you know, yeah. every at the end of every season and like the consistency
1: and training is really important. But like, I think mm-hmm. they've missed like the consistency. Like, you know, if you're taking a, a month off two or three times a year, like if you do that over, I mean, if you look at that over a four year period of, of high school or college, well, then you're actually missing a whole year when you put that all together, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Uh,
1: You know, if you miss three or four months a year for, cause you're so burnt out from training too hard. uh, Mm -hmm. There's nothing really consistent about that uh, in my eyes. For sure.
0: So how, how would you say this type of coaching and training compares to like when you were in high school?
1: I think it's really similar. I mean, i I had a really good high school coach, um, mm-hmm. I learned a lot of, like I still, uh, bounce stuff off of him all, all the time. And that's something that I, I really try to take. I've had a lot of really good coaches. Like, I mean, I had a really good high school coach went to NC state and ran for coach Geiger has been there for ever. Uh, you know, the women just won the NCAA title. So I learned, you know, picked up stuff there. And then I went to Kentucky, uh, trained under Sean Graham, who was, uh, he was in the OTC, like original group with, with, uh, it was the farm team in Palo Alto and then Oregon track club. So he was in the first first iteration of that. And, you know, he was 1320 guy back in early two thousands when nobody was really running 1320. Uh, and then my I also had uh, Haken DeBreece who coached me my fifth year after coach Graham left. Um, and he was kind of like, he was right. He learned from Ben Lanana. He learned from Jason Dunn. He learned from like all these other great coaches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I went to, to Boston and I ran under Ricardo Santos who eventually left and took the Stanford job. Uh, You know, he's coached a really good collegiate coach. Um, And then after that, I was working with Morgan Euston and Mark Carroll, who's he's run 1303, uh, you know, back in the the nineties when not, you know, he was kind of the real deal. He ran 350 in the mile and 730 in the, in the 3k uh, Irish guy. And then once I left Boston this past year, I've been in Flagstaff kind of, I uh, I went back to Haken was coaching me again but I was also working with a bunch of coaches and groups uh, and and Flagstaff which was which was awesome so I picked up I've had a lot of good coaches I guess Mm -hmm. in summary and I I try to kind of take the best things from everybody and also I I just try to read as as much as I can I if, if there's a podcast or an interview or you know whatever it is or I can you know I see Mike Smith at a coffee shop and I want to Asking three questions while I walk past his table real quick uh yeah I kind of try to take all that in and and use it how I can whether it's you know with a sixth or seventh grader kid or with a high schooler or with you know 35 year old who's just getting into running and wants to run a marathon Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it definitely changes depending on the person but I think like the principles
0: don't change just the the specifics change gotcha that's awesome yeah that's got to be uh you, you've got to be like running into people all the time in Flagstaff where you're just like oh hey that's so oh, yeah. and like, so. Flagstaff, Flagstaff
1: is really cool it's like you can show up for you know a long run and it can be just you or you can show up for a long run and there could be 45 people who are all Olympic trials qualifiers. <laughs> so it kind of depends on the time of year and what, what's going on but yeah more it, it's very rare to go on a especially long runs just because everybody wants to meet up for their, for their long runs and stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's very rare to not mesh in with, you know, several groups out there while you're, while you're doing that.
0: Yeah. So speaking of uh, Flagstaff, um, I was, I've recently came across the sweat elite channel on YouTube and it is, it's blowing up. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, you had your own episode you know on this channel so uh first of all like what's that like being featured you know on on the sweat elite channel where like um he's in Kenya and then he's in Mexico and then he's in Spain and he's like this guy's all over the place filming these super elite you know workout sessions with all these amazing runners it's incredible to watch like i'm i'm obsessed with it i
1: yeah. No, I, I watched about everything that, uh, that Matt puts out on, on sweat elite. Uh, yeah. Matt Fox does a great job with that channel. Um, I'd followed the channel a little bit and then, you know, I like there, they came to Flagstaff to, uh, I mean, they, they basically just, you know, send somebody a message like, Hey, you got any workouts this week. I'm going to be in Flagstaff. I'll, and they have such a big following that obviously, you know, everybody, everybody wants to do it. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: see, that was great. Cause like I was actually going to be, that was one of the rare times I was going to be completely solo for that session. And, you know, run 16, I ran mean, 16 by K that day and doing that by myself on Lake Mary, like would have been pretty tough, but knowing that, uh, you know, I had Matt biking next to me with the camera on, you know, tons of people were gonna see it on YouTube was a little extra, a little extra motivation. It uh, yeah. great. I mean, we he actually was at the Chicago Marathon too. Uh, so like met up and got some drinks afterwards and yeah, Matt's Thanks. a great guy putting out great content. And uh, I think that's another reason like you see people getting a lot faster whether it's kids or college runners or you know post collegiate now, it's just, there's there's so much more information. I mean, it's mm-hmm. easy to get. Like you want to know how you want to know how anybody trains. Like there's probably a YouTube video, and you can probably listen to an interview, and you can probably read a book that's you mm-hmm. know one of their coaches wrote. Uh, yeah. So it, it's the access to information now is uh, so easily available that it, people train smarter, and people are training harder, and people people are getting faster.
0: Yeah. I love that. Like running is still a super tight knit community. Like at the end of the day, um, like you can ask somebody how they're training, or you can ask somebody for help, or, you you know, like people in this sport aren't like, Oh, that's a secret. I'm not going to tell you like who isn't an open book at the end of the day, which is, it's incredible. I love it. Like, um, like when I was reaching out to you, like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do an episode. Let's talk like, ah, I love it. So, um, so that episode was, uh, was a couple weeks prior to Chicago. So for those who don't know, fill us in on, on kind of how the rest of your training, uh, for Chicago went and then how your race went.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess I'll start with, with the end there at I was twelfth at Chicago, seventh seventh American um, in my debut. Let's go! Yeah, so I, I wanted to run a quite a bit quicker. I thought I would, on a good day I could run two ten. Average day would have been two twelve. Uh, end up running two fifteen, but I think I competed pretty like pretty well. I uh, just like wasn't great conditions really to run run super fast, uh, which makes you know like Galen and those guys run so fast up front even even more impressive. Uh, if mm-hmm. they would have gotten a, a good day, that would have been like probably Crazy fast race uh but training training went really well, so i I guess to backtrack then where it started I ran the Olympic trials at the 10 k took a little two week kind of reset after that uh, and then basically the 12 week marathon cycle, which was you know fairly short but i I'd always been kind of a high mileage guy. I like, probably started my junior year of college I started running 100 mile weeks so not every week but fairly consistently up. I, I always ran like the most on the team, but I pretty good amount uh mm-hmm. would be running 90s to, to low 100s uh most of the year and then so I got that volume up to I was running 120 miles a week for a four-week chunk uh mm-hmm. I think that was a big thing and then just being I, I really love training at altitude I think that was a big factor to me I mean it's why I moved to why I moved to Flagstaff um I was like you know you can only train at this high level for, for so long. And I would, I'd been in Boston and I'm, something needed to change. So I was like, where can I go? That would be the best place for me to train. And I thought it was Flagstaff so mm-hmm. loaded up my car and headed there. Uh, so that was great. And you get so many people to jump in and out of workouts and long runs and stuff like that with, there's always, you know, if you need a somebody to hold a bottle for you on a long run, like you can pretty much always find somebody, everybody's willing to, to help out, uh, which is great. Mm-hmm um but then as far as workout wise i actually started doing some like double threshold sessions which i think was was pretty beneficial for me where i would do uh seven eight miles of work in the morning around marathon down to half marathon pace and i'd come back in the afternoon and do an, another uh 8k usually of work mm-hmm. uh and that's something i think you see like getting it's another thing like you know people didn't really I feel like most people, I didn't really know what it was, at least. But then, you know, I see that NAU's doing it. I see that Molly Seidel's doing it. I see that the, mm-hmm. the Britsons are doing it. Like, it's something that paid big dividends for a lot of people. So I started incorporating those kind of sessions in. Uh, I would do mm-hmm. one about every, every 10 days. I think I did
0: four of them in total. Um, where I would do stuff. Yeah, like, previously, you know, and, like, this is still relatively new to me. But, like, the concept was always, you know, alternate the intensity of your session so if you're going to do two sessions in a day one's going to be easy and one's going to be hard but you're talking about accumulating a lot more volume close yeah. to your race pace or close to that threshold pace and like that over the entire course of a training cycle and then layered on top of multiple training cycles like that's where a lot more benefit can come
1: yeah and i think that's something that like people say like the shoes and making things a lot faster and I think they definitely are. But the biggest thing for me is when I wear those shoes, I can, I recover so much quicker. So like if I was in like regular flats, like, you know, my Achilles and like everything would probably be so jacked up after doing 12 K at work in the morning that I wouldn't be able to come back and do another eight or 10 K at work in the, the evening. Um, sure. but most of the time I felt better on the second session. Uh, <laughs> So I would do stuff like you know six by two k in the morning and then eight by k in the evening and they'd all be roughly this you know I may run six tens for the two k's in the morning and then three flats for the k's in the the evening so they're fairly similar pace I mean it's at you know at seven thousand feet uh, on the road mm. uh, but being able to re- recover so much quicker with the, the super shoes just um, kept you kept you a lot healthier and allow you to do that that level of training where yeah I have no doubt if I was in you know some regular flats i probably would have i wouldn't have been able to do it uh certainly yeah so i think that's that's one thing i did did a lot of um getting used to like taking fluids and stuff like that was was pretty big mm-hmm. uh just because something i didn't really you don't really think of especially coming off the track like you know i've never taken even when i do road races uh i've never taken fluids or anything like that before uh, mm-hmm. don't do it even in a half marathon uh so getting used to that and training and just like training your gut to be able to take in, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. taking calories. calories. Uh, yeah, I took in probably close to 800 calories during the Chicago Marathon, which is what most elites are doing now. And I think people don't really, I did, certainly didn't realize it was that much until I started talking to other marathoners. And um, like I said, Haken at the University of Kentucky was coaching me. And that was one thing he was like, hey, you need to find somebody and talk to him about this. Cause like, I know it's important, but you know, obviously coaching at the college level, like he didn't really know that much about it. So uh, sure, we basically found a lot of ways to incorporate that in practice, uh, which was great.
0: So uh, my biochemistry like nerd <clears throat> is coming out a little bit. So um, how are you chunking those calories out? Like, is that, I mean, like, I know it's like, Probably evenly split split between the bottles, but like, are you are you going for a certain threshold of calories or a certain gram? Yeah, I was trying dose? to get uh,
1: I was trying to get 100 calories every 5k, starting at 10k. So I skipped the 5k bottle, and starting at 10k, uh, I would take a bottle every 5k and try to get on 100 calories. Which I I practiced that. There's actually a three mile loop that we did a lot of like our marathon specific workouts on, so it's mm-hmm. perfect you know set up one table and you know put six bottles on it and go do your workout And every time you run finish the loop you grab a bottle
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but then like when I was doing workouts say I was you know I would even practice it like if I was doing you know 20 by 400 on the track like I just like the, the practice like grabbing the bottle and drinking stuff while you're running is that's hard in and of itself and then like sure also got to train your gut to be able to, to digest it uh, so I would, I would tinker it and try to do it a lot of different ways and, and practice but then yeah as far as like the long runs when I was, you know, I'd call them like uh, when I was doing marathon workouts in a long run, I would, I would do it every five, like every three, three miles of 5k, just so as specific as it could be uh, before the race.
0: Yeah. So that's, uh, I I think it's so cool that you can not only, you know, physically train the body, but like the digestive system is extremely adaptive as well. Um, (laughs) in general, um, and maybe I'm a little, dated with, with some of these numbers, but um, for a long time, the idea was uh, the human body can really only utilize about 60 grams of carbs per hour, about 250 calories per hour. But I mean, that's based off research that's looking at, you know, mean, median mode. Let's try to, you know, it's not necessarily looking at if your body is extremely adaptive. Can you utilize more? And it was also only looking at one type of carbohydrate at a time. So are you, are you ingesting different types of carbohydrates or is it all one type? And, and... so I tried to do, I use,
1: I use Morton and I, I tried mm-hmm. to do the gels uh, just so I could split up my like water source and fuel source, just in case mm-hmm. like I couldn't for some reason, get down one of the two. If they're mixed together in a bottle, obviously, you, you know, if you want the, if you need the fluid, you got to take and what's mix to, to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't – I that was one thing. I, I tried it for three or four workouts, and I was basically throwing up at the end of every workout. So I just switched to, to doing the drink mix, and mm-hmm. it worked. It worked really well for me. Um, work, I worked with a guy um, who runs with uh, with Nick Willis and Hobbs and the, the very nice track club group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a biomedical guy, and that's – you know, he studies endurance sport and basically, you know, said exactly what you said, like, you know, it used to be, you couldn't do, they didn't think you could do this, but basically from all the new research, a lot of it's through cycling. Uh, and then mm-hmm. so they, they learned a lot, like Nike, people learned a lot doing the uh, breaking two with all the research they were doing.
2: Mm-hmm. You,
1: can, you can train your gut uh, to take, it. you just got to practice. So uh, yeah, I was trying to practice at least once a week uh, for yeah, the last like six to eight weeks going into it. I mean, I practice every, every long run as well.
0: Nice. And yeah, the more like if you can utilize more (laughs) digested carbohydrate and that's saving not only, you know, stored fuel for when you might want it towards the end of the race, or you're also limiting the breakdown of muscle tissue and converting that into energy. Like the less that you have to do that, the more you're maintaining, you know, your, your quote unquote engine, like To, the higher you can rev that thing. So you
1: can, you can basically keep yourself from, you know, going into like metabolic bonking, like with, exactly. You're talking about hitting the wall. I, I still hit I still hit a wall, but I wasn't, I don't think it was from, fuel at all. Uh, it was mm-hmm. just, you're still going to hit a wall and a marathon at some point. Usually. It's a marathon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: it's just one of those things that's probably going to happen. Well, that's so awesome, and Like I'm, uh, um, I love that, uh, you know, like things are advancing in the sport and it's not like, it's not just the shoes it's elsewhere. It's, it's recovery modalities. It's um, it's strength and conditioning. It's injury prevention. It's nutrition. It's, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's pretty awesome. So um, while I'm kind of down that road, is there, are there any specific recovery modalities that you find to be extremely helpful and useful
1: uh yeah i think the two biggest ones that i would say i guess are most useful that like i, I preached the most i think uh sleep is probably the best like you can spend two thousand dollars on a norma or you can get an extra hour of sleep every night i would say get the extra hour of sleep like 10 times out of 10 mm-hmm. uh that's one thing that i certainly wasn't good with in, in high school and college uh but since like moving to to Flagstaff, I, you know, I would leave my phone in the kitchen. Like I wouldn't even take my phone in the bedroom. Like, my, like, especially when I was running 120 miles a week and, and you know, train and training that hard. I was like, sleep is like, you know, I'm going to be in bed nine hours a night. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was very, very consistent and religious about that. And that's something that, you know, I stayed very injury free and was able to mm-hmm. train at a really high level. And I think if you're getting six hours or seven hours, like it's probably not, that probably wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, I guess that goes into the recovery. I I found a lot of, like hip mobility is, is huge. Uh, I
3: don't
1: know if that you put that technically in or what you think of as as recovery, but uh, I try to do some type of hip mobility at least like four or five days a week, and it doesn't have to be some like big strenuous weight room program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that a lot with our with our clients. If you can have like really healthy glutes, hip flexors hamstrings all that is like sound like you're going to eliminate a lot of your your running problems because I've, I've found like even if you have a problem in your shin or ankle or something like that it's probably coming from it's like stemming from some root problem you have in, in the hip region or pelvic region
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so yeah i'm definitely really big on yeah i guess like supplemental training like because it kind of goes back to like it allows you to train more and train a little bit harder and train more consistently because you're not on the sidelines with, with an injury. Uh, so yeah, I guess in, in that sense, it definitely falls under the recovery category.
0: For sure. Yeah. So as a, as a kinesiologist, like when, when a runner or a cyclist or a triathlete comes to see me, it's typically because something's hurting and they can't, you know, swim, bike or run. And, um, I'll take them through you know, some static assessments, I'll just see what their body naturally does. Like I put them on my assessment table and I'm checking hamstring length and I'm checking hip flexor length and I'm doing all this stuff so that I can see where their body is naturally holding tension. Because if you do the same movement patterns over and over and over and over and over again, you're telling the body, Hey, we need to be really efficient at this. So let's not waste Any extra energy or any extra like nervous system stimulus to access what we don't need, right? So, if all you do is run and you're not making sure that your glutes are firing properly and that you can access full hip extension and that your hip flexors are working well and you can access full hip flexion, if you're not doing that, like just going out and running isn't going to allow you to access that. You have to be deliberate about making sure that your body can utilize all these things so that you're as athletic as possible. And if you're athletic and you can access these ranges of motion, then you're probably going to be more resilient.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that, uh, I'm realizing now coming out of that marathon cycle, it took me a long time. Like I did not feel good for a long time. And I think it's cause I got so far away from things I were doing on the track. I wasn't sprinting. Like I wasn't doing mm-hmm. all these things, but, and, Yeah, basically my hip flexors forgot how to work. My quads were all messed up. Like I had all these problems. So yeah, like now I'm out, I'm on, you know, I'm on the wicket, like the small wicket hurdles doing sprint, like doing flying fifties. And
2: Mm
3: -hmm. yeah, you
1: know, I'm not going to break the record in the hundred meter dash, but like, I, I think training those things is important. That goes back to like, you know, the speed, like I'm really big on our kids doing that we're, that we're working with doing speed work year round, you know, at least every 10 days, probably more like at least once a week we're doing, you know, some type of you know, 50, 50, 50 accelerations or, you know, mm-hmm. 80 meter hill strides, like whatever it is, because I think you don't have to do a ton of it, but you have to like constantly be be touching on that. Just be, yeah, like you said, if you, if you never do it uh, and then all of a sudden it's the end of the season and coach is like, all right, let's go rip 200. It's like, well, you're not, you can't just do it. That's not really how it was. People don't understand that's Not that's not how it works at all. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's something people are like, Oh, if you sprint too early in the season, you're going to burn out. And I was like, you think, you know, going to back to UK like Abby Steiner just broke the collegiate 300 meter record in December. Do you mm-hmm. not think she's gonna be like ready to throw down in, in June at NCAA's? Like, she definitely will be. Uh, yeah, and she didn't get that way by not sprinting in October and September. Even though our main races are gonna be in in May and June, uh, mm-hmm. so it's not about the it's not about the intensity. It's about like I guess how like duration of your intensity is what I think people get get wrong a lot of times. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think. Uh, speaking of, uh, uh, coach Mike Smith, uh, one of the things I heard him say, in in I think it was a flow track video was, uh, um, or maybe it was, uh, maybe it was sweat elite. Oh, well, I don't remember. Anyway, he said it was a, it was about a specific workout. And he said, it's not, it's not the intensity that's going to get you. And it's not the volume that's going to get you. It's the intensity of the volume that's going to get you. Like, so yeah like you can um if you're not working on your speed all the time then your ability to to train just speed when it comes time for you to be fast like you're going to be limited but if you're working on it year round then you don't have to go all in you don't have to be at you know 10 out of 10
1: yeah.
0: on your intensity spectrum um, okay, but, uh, or on your effort yeah no i,
1: I agree with that uh Yeah, totally. I I think we, we try to do a little bit of everything all all the time, uh, pretty much. And yeah, a lot of people, I don't know if they just don't know or they just don't get it. Uh, But yeah, we see really good success with that. And it's something we're going to, we're going to keep doing. And yeah, I think that's people are, you know, obviously figuring out how to, how to train. I mean, but right before the, this is a Galen Rupp story, I guess, talking about Flagstaff, he was training in Flagstaff right before uh, Tokyo the summer and, I happened to be doing my double and I went past the NAU track and he's out there with, with Mike Smith doing hundreds over wickets, running 12 point hundreds over wickets, you know, two weeks before he's going to Tokyo. I was like, yeah, this guy's training to run a marathon. He's still running 12 second hundreds over wickets. Like, a, <laughs> like everything, everything kind of works, works together. Uh, and people just don't really. Uh, I, don't, I, I feel like that's a, a missed opportunity for especially a lot of uh, high school runners.
0: Yeah, man. I think a lot of that stems from the idea that like, uh, and maybe some of this is, is like self-imposed, but like how many runners consider themselves athletes? They're like, no, no, no. Like I'm a runner. Like, well, you'd be a better runner if you were also an athlete. And if you did things that made you more athletic, like, um, so I think, I think a lot of that's changing. Like when I was in college, um, I graduated high school in 2005. Like we didn't do any stuff in the weight room. Like, I mean, we had access to a weight room, but like, we didn't really do anything. And like in college, it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, you guys can do stuff if you want, like the track team, they work out at this time, but you know, during cross country, it's kind of like up to you. Like um, nowadays, like people are understanding the value of like, yeah, you don't, you don't have to do traditional weightlifting, but like you should be doing some sort of progressive overload to ensure that your bones are strong and to ensure that you can generate, you know, a lot of force. And in the same way that these running shoes can make you more efficient and improve your running economy, like having a really strong posterior chain and having really resilient Achilles tendons makes that improves running economy too. Like there's, um,
1: works so, yeah, everything, more- yeah, everything
0: works together for sure. So um, so let's let's take it back a little bit to um, kind of when it comes to to coaching specifically and not so much like the the X's and O's of, of your programming, but like what are what are some of the pillars of coaching what are some of the things you find yourself saying? maybe on a consistent basis or maybe to um, an athlete in a specific situation that um, that helps you reinforce like, Hey, here's what our priorities are. Um, Here's some things I want you to focus on. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think of something like really specific, but uh, I mean, I, I do harp on consistency, like, all the time uh and i'm also really big on i think a lot of people want like results really really quickly right like hmm. and like for example you know if a kid a kid comes to us and you know it's like hey i want to run this that like in two months like during indoor season and it's like if that i i basically see ourselves as like we sit down with the athlete they come up with goals and then we put the training plan together to help them meet their goals but i'm also i'm a very blunt I guess is like a good way to, to put it and I'm like hey these things like take time if you do if if we do ramp up to the try to ramp up to that this quickly like you know here are the the risk factors that that come with it and I think shooting it straight I, I don't really blow sunshine to, to people uh you know Thomas is is the same way like I think people are capable of doing a lot more than they think but I think they underestimate the amount of time and like Consistency—that's going to take to to get to their goals a lot of times. So mm-hmm. I think like having a because usually you know if you go to a coach and you tell them something like that, they're like, "Oh yeah, like they're all rah rah, let's go." And we're, you know, maybe I, I'm more to, "Hey, let's pump the brakes and like figure out like the steps that you're gonna like the smartest steps to take to to get to that that goal," mm-hmm. uh, which obviously like isn't what people want to hear all the time. But I think you know for their for their long term long-term development and stuff like that i think that it's really important that they they are realistic and they they do understand uh what it takes and i'm also one to you know break out the charts and be like yeah this is why we're we're doing this workout it's because i want you to be ready to do this that's already planned 20 days from now and like that's Mm going to set you up for the next i want them to like understand the we're not just like showing up and thinking of work out on the spot. Like everything's a a stepping stone to get to the next stepping stone to get to the, whatever the ultimate, you know, end goal, whatever the end of that spiral is like Mm -hmm. that's the, whether it's to, you know, BQ or whether it's to win a state championship or whether it's to, you know, break 20 minutes in the five K for the first time, like everybody has what's really important to them. And like, we just kind of make sure they understand what it takes to, to
0: get to that. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself um, maybe wording it that way is, isn't so good. I find myself all the time wanting to explain to my athletes, here's why we're doing this today. And, and like, I want them to know, uh, not as I want them to understand everything that we're doing. I don't want them just to show up and just, and just do it like yeah like they'll show up they'll be present they'll do it but like I want them to understand like hey remember what we did last week on this day and then here's here's how this specific thing is progressing or here's why we're not doing what we did last week because we've got this thing planned you know five days from now or whatever the case is so like I find myself having to be like hey uh Kevin they don't care like <laughs> <laughs> some, I, yeah, I some I kids do that.
1: Yeah, I definitely have a tendency, I guess, to, to over-explain a little bit. I think it, what's good about what we do too, is that most people who come to us looking for help, uh, they're coming to us to look for help because they want, they're, they're interested. They're, uh, so like, we don't really, you know, if you coached at a regular high school, you're probably going to have half your team who's like super into it. And wants, and then you're going to have half the team who's like, all right, coach, just like, give me the workout and go away. Like, I'll go do it. Uh, and you have, you know, another part that's probably like hiding in the bathroom or something. So like, we definitely we only get like the the first part of that with what we do. Uh, you know, yeah. everybody, you know, you're not going to pay for a private coach if you're not super into it and you're not. You know, I don't have to worry about kids skipping runs and things like that because. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. If if they if they do like they're not getting what they're paying for. Uh, sure. You yeah, that's on them, yeah. not on not on me. Um. So yeah, luckily I do. Most people, majority, I would say the the vast majority of the people we work with like do want to to understand and do so I I get to explain and not, not, uh, feel too guilty about it, I guess.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. So for anybody who's, you know, who's listening right now and, you know, they, they want to get faster. They want to be a better runner. Like what are, what are some pieces of advice that, uh, from lessons that you've either learned the hard way or just lessons that you've picked up in, you know, in a, pretty long career so far
1: that you could yeah. share uh just like a real like zoomed out view is like you got to get started something is almost always better than nothing i, I see a lot of people who like they want to do this and they want to do that but like they don't maybe know the perfect way to go about it so they just never start uh and then obviously mm-hmm. it's never gonna happen if you never start i find a lot of people a lot of people who come to us for, for coaching, say it's, you know, a 35 year old who wants to bq or something like that comes to us for coaching. Well, they found us because they were out there trying a lot of things and, you know, some of those things didn't work. And, you know, now they, they want the next level of, of help to kind of understand what, what to do. Uh, but if they had never started down that path and just always said like, man, I hope I could bq next year. Like they would have never ended up where they, where they are now. Um, so I think getting started is a big one. Uh, and then just, know that things take time especially running like it's not something uh you know is like going to the gym for example. you go to the gym you lift like crazy for an hour until your arms are shaking and you can't take it anymore but you go home and look in the mirror and like you look the same until you you, know, you do that for a month or two months or three months and then all of a sudden you start to see the benefits but it's like yeah you can go run you know you can go out there and make yourself run 20 miles and run until you drop and then like you're probably not going to run again for two or three weeks Mm -hmm. probably better to just be consistent with it and you know run a half an hour every day until you can do 45 minutes every day and then you know then you start be more interested in running and figure out you join running groups and so i think that's like that's another thing is like you got to get started and then you got to be consistent and if you can do those two steps like that's over half the battle right there
0: yeah it's uh it's not the uh, fancy, sexy, crazy, unique piece of advice that everybody wants. But like, that's the like, that's the that's the stuff you got to do. You got to show up and you got to put in some work consistently. So um, how can people find you on social media? How can they reach out to you if they want, you know, if they want you to coach them?
1: Yeah, uh, I got personally, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook under Jacob Thompson and then uh, also under run Thompson training um, also on website or uh, type it into Google on Instagram or whatever, whatever you want to do. <coughs> uh, yeah. That's the easiest way to find us. Um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, we, we kind of coach everybody from, we have like a youth team that's more locally based here. That's all like third to eighth graders. And then from high school up, we coach, uh virtually in yeah you know, 20 states now so we're kind of looking forward to doing that whether it's you know like I said we got everywhere from 3rd grade to, to 70 years old and pretty much everywhere in between uh from first time runners to really seasoned runners to you know I think last year we had 12 kids commit to go running college and this year we're at 6 or 7 with a bunch more probably deciding in the in the coming weeks uh
0: that's awesome so
1: we kinda, yeah we kind of have a lot of different things going on and uh Another thing I'd like to talk about, if we have a couple minutes, is talk about the. Uh, so I've actually recently signed with with Under Armour and Flagstaff. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got, I guess, to backtrack a little bit. Like when I moved out there, I was training a lot with uh, a guy, being Sambasa, who just won the U.S. Road Championships, uh, like the year-long circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was training with him, and you know, I showed up to some some group runs like you do in Flagstaff, I guess, and uh, you know, Stephen Hass, who's uh, a main contact out there for, for a lot of people, you know, basically said I was always welcome to, to join that group, um, on their workout days or on their easy run days. So I <clears throat> went to a lot of their runs and, you know, got to be really close with a lot of those guys. And, um, yeah, just actually got a, got a contract offer from, from Under Armour to officially join Dark Sky, which I think would be great. And
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah. One thing I'm like pretty excited about with, you know, it's obviously great to have been unsponsored for the last year. Um, so you know, just making my living through through Thompson training, so now it'd be nice to have both of those um mm-hmm. from a personal side, but it's also really great because they're very interested in what we're doing. I guess, like in our you know, call it grassroots programs, you know, Thompson training, <laughs> the youth club team that um that we had, the high school running camp we put on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like they stepped up to sponsor uh, the running camp for the next three years, and I'm really thankful to, to them for that. But I'm I'm excited because you don't really think uh, when you think running, you know, everybody thinks Nike and then they probably think Adidas uh, and you don't, a lot of times some of those other brands don't really get the, the recognition that, that they should. But I think, especially when you see the stuff that, you know, somebody like Bia Sambasa is doing right now, or Wayne Kaladi is doing right now, mm-hmm. they're putting together a very good team uh, and you're in probably the best place in the entire world to train in, in Flagstaff. And yeah, I think over the next year, like you're going to start seeing Under Armour, a lot more, uh, and, and running circles. And that's something I'm really excited to be a part of.
0: Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. I was, uh, I had written a note up here to make sure that, uh, that we talked about that before we finished up. So, um, congrats on that, man. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. Really I'm cool. uh, super thankful to, I mean, I guess I, I still considered myself a professional runner last year, even when I was, when I was unsponsored, uh, uh, was in the the tracksmith amateur support program, but had a great time with them. And yeah, I'm, I think with their the resources that they're putting into this team and, uh, the collection of athletes that they started to put together in Flagstaff, it's going to be a a really special group. And yeah, I'm I'm home for the holidays right now back in Kentucky. And then I head out on on January 2nd, uh, back to Flagstaff and can't wait to get back to work with the group and yeah, big things, big things ahead for that crew.
0: That's going to be awesome. And, uh, uh, that just reminded me of, uh, you brought up Nick Willis earlier, and then, you know, talking about Tracksmith. Um, New Year's Eve, he's going for uh, 20 consecutive years of sub four-minute miles. How crazy is that? That's pretty,
1: uh, that's pretty <laughs> crazy. I, yeah, I uh, I went, I broke sub four right after I graduated, uh, or in 357, and I, I thought about, like, starting a, a streak i mean i guess if you're a miler you're going to race a lot more miles I, i'm probably predominantly more at the time i was 5k 10k so i'd dip down to do a mile every once in a while mm-hmm. um, but then yeah the next summer i think i ran like i ran one only ran one mile and i ran 403 and like a tactical mile race and i was like oh man well there goes all my chances at any street but he's <laughs> 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 been doing it for for 20 years it's, yeah I, I mean i don't doubt that he's going to get it uh i saw i mean he works out with with Hobbs and mason and uh mm-hmm. I saw Hobbs ran four Oh one in the middle of a workout the other day. So if he's, sure. if he's anywhere close to, to working out with Hobbs these days, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he's going to get it.
0: Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a fun group to work out with all of their, all of their videos. Very nice track club. Those, yeah. they, they crack me up, man. Those guys are goofy. They're yeah, no, so they're,
1: they're a good group of guys. Uh, I mean, I guess Hobbs is out in Flagstaff part of the year and then back in, back in Michigan part of the year. Uh, Cause he was going to mm. go to, you know, going to go to NAU. But yeah, I got to meet him a little mm-hmm. bit over the summer. Uh, he's definitely got a very bright future ahead of him.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. That's so awesome. Well, uh, Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. This has been a ton of fun and um, an excellent way to kind of get back into, into this podcast, man. So thanks oh, so yeah. much for the time. And thank you for sharing all of your experience and, and knowledge and um, yeah, it, it, just doing this sort of thing helps keep me sharp and, uh, keeps me, you know, motivated to continue. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm
1: definitely a, a, a running junkie, so I could sit around and talk, talk shop all day. Uh, so any, any opportunity I, I have to to do that, I'm, you know, it's very appreciated. So thank you for having me on Kevin.
0: For sure, man. We'll have to get you back on again in the future to talk about more of your races and uh share more of your coaching success as well and all of that so
1: all right well i appreciate it
0: for sure already all thanks for watching and listening uh go follow jacob go check out uh thompson training and uh stay tuned for next episode adios